0: by Sports Interaction, book Sportsbook. Uh, it was a game for the Montreal Canadiens. It was uh, an entertaining one, I think, from both sides. Obviously, if you're an Ottawa Senators fan, you're welcome here. But also check out Game Over Ottawa, hosted by our lovely ModSco Blocker and Charlie Arsenault. But uh, I know it wasn't super uh, fitting, I think, for the Senators for how well they were starting the, the game. Uh, but uh, overall, I think a really fun game for both sides, Canadians obviously got some help from the officials in this one, I believe, just based on the flow of play. But this game ended the way that the Canadians really needed it to, right? Uh, the Senators get two points, Canadians get none. You never want to lose in the final minute against a team like the Senators, who you know I think a lot of Canadians fans have a lot of ire for. But the Senators move up the standings a little bit, get closer and closer to leapfrogging Florida, who they have games in hand on, and push Florida down the standings. The Canadians stay low and continue to tank. That draft is looking pretty exciting. Got a great guest with me tonight, Ian Boisvert. He's with us a lot this season because he's the best, and uh, we're going to talk to him. But before we do, think you know which way it's going to go. Make your bet with Sports Interaction. Whether it's hockey, football, or basketball, Sports Interaction has you covered. Bet pregame, live in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. Want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. 19 plus, please play responsibly. All right, let's welcome in our guest, who I swear is not muted, Ian Boivere. How are you, Ian?
1: I'm doing well, Andrew. Thanks for uh, having me back on. Appreciate and it. And I
0: can see on the audio mixer that you are not muted. Now, for the record, I was not, Mike Mike was not technically muted. For some reason, it was not on, but because I have this thing here, I couldn't see that the color shifting was not there. So, sorry about that, folks, that we had to redo the intro and the show off to a banner start, but <laughs> I let's say I started the, the show the same way the Montreal Canadiens started the game. Let's spin it that way.
1: There you go. Yeah, no, did not start on time, I think is a, a fair way of putting it. What, what, they were down two before the game was four minutes old yeah
0: um, oh that's trizac in the chat says muted nah just kidding <laughs> you... <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Trizac. We're... We're... if you ever Locked. come to a game over montreal meetup buddy i'm i'm giving you like a like a like a a good one give Something. him a chat
1: ban. i don't know
0: robert a give him a chat and ban him <laughs> <laughs> robert ban him no, yeah. no he's great Uh, actually, I don't know he or she, or they, we don't know. We're not going to assume pronouns, uh, but, uh, obviously Ian, uh, you've been on for quite a few games this season, and I think most of them have been pretty entertaining. This one, same goes for it, but, uh, let's start the show with the biggest standout from this game to me. Anyway, Nick Suzuki looked back.
1: Yeah, no, he looked great. Um, all the little things that Nick Suzuki does really well, he was doing really well. Um, you know, he didn't, it's been tough cause you, it's very obvious that he's playing through something. I think you'd be hard to hard pressed to find a Canadian who isn't playing through something. I think Stu Cowan just said, you know, at walking, watching them all come out. It's amazing how many of them have knee braces on over their suit pants. Um, so it's, it's just to see him have a game like that again right when everybody's sort of having the big, you know, is Doc actually this team's number one center conversation, which I think is always funny because it's when one player is at his highest and the other is at his lowest that we try to yeah. take a snapshot and define an entire career. Um, but he he looked great. He was all around the net. Like, you know, he wasn't just getting perimeter chances that, you know, the stats look nice. He was, he was in some really dirty areas and, and created some offense.
0: Yeah, he was. And what stood out to me more than anything was the elusiveness was back in his game, the, like the shiftiness and stick handling. He looked like he had confidence. There was early in the game, I think it was the first power play the Canadians had, he totally got Forsberg to bite on a little move he made at the side of the net and he tried to go backhand on a gap that he created where it was there, but he just fumbled the puck. And it was like it was almost like that fumble gave him the confidence, like he saw what he managed to get out of Forsberg, like biting on that uh Deke where he was like, oh, okay, I'm feeling it tonight. Even though I fumbled the puck, I'm going to have a night. And he, man, did he ever have himself a night? I haven't looked at the final numbers yet, but I know through two periods, I believe he was one of the only Canadians forwards at uh 50 plus percent of the shot attempts. Cause frankly, at even strength tonight, it was not pretty. Uh yeah, he ended this the game twenty shot attempts for seven against, wow. two even strength goals for one against, expected goals, eighty four point six two percent in Suzuki's favor at five on five. Scoring chances twelve to two.
1: Yes, yeah, high danger good.
0: chances six to one. And let's be clear here the high danger chances after two periods were ten to two Ottawa.
1: Yeah, that's outstanding. And that you mentioned, you know, the deception or, you know, his elusiveness, the deception that he showed. I think, you know, you mentioned a good point that he he made that move early on in the game and it sort of set the, the stage for the rest of it. The first uh, I think it was the first Harvey Pernard goal. He looks he looks shot better than just about any other player on this team where he's looking shot. He's looking shot. And then he's just kind of like slides his hands really close in on himself to get the puck over across the slot and Harvey Bernard had the entire net to shoot at, which was nice. Um, But yeah, you can start to see that deception come back into his game. He's been, he was phenomenal tonight. And so was doc because we can, you know, doc had a great night. He got the scoring started also in around the net. He very greasy goal to start the game Um, because you can have two good centers. It is possible. We don't have to, you know, it's not one or the other. We have a lot of, we have good centers now. It's nice.
0: Yeah, it's the first time in a long time where the Canadians have had multiple centers that look like they can play in the top six and also have some level of versatility with their centers, right? I mean, I know we're talking about a team that currently only has three centers really in the lineup, but the fact is, like, if Monaghan were healthy, you know, like, they have, and Jake Evans as well, Evans, they yeah. actually have, like, a relatively decent one, two, three, four, not a not a contending set, but like if you had Suzuki, Doc, Monaghan, Evans down the middle there are playoff teams with worse center lines. than Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's, I know know they're not keeping Monaghan obviously, but you're looking at the draft this year, they've got two picks that are going to be really high end, they're probably going to get at least one center in that, and I think the idea that they could get two centers is driving a lot of that conversation of Suzuki being moved to the wing, but Mm -hmm. I, I think looking at everything in context and I'm not, I hate the whole like versus thing between him and right. doc. I think that's a really toxic thing that I think every fan base kind of does, but because Montreal's big, it gets noisy, mm-hmm. but you look at what doc is doing right now, which is great. And the evolution of his game is fantastic. You mentioned that early goal, just getting to the greasy areas, using his shot more, especially once Caulfield went out, you know, he, yeah. he's just really pushed it. It's great. But Suzuki in that same role has gone to the Stanley cup final and scored at a 60 point pace in the playoffs. Yeah. Like let's put some respect on the captain's name here. He is a phenomenal hockey player and has proven himself as a top line matchup center for multiple years now.
1: Yeah. And, and let's be, you know, Frank about it as well. You mentioned the high pick being, you know, probably likely a, definitely a forward. Cause there's no defenseman really available that early in the draft. Um, likely a center at least one and then the Pierre-Luc Dubois question continues to to raise it to, to 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 come up right like and that's going to exist until we have closure on that situation one way or the other so I, I I do think it's very funny for Habs fans to be counting Dubois as a Montreal Canadian in one or two years as in like he's definitely going to be here we're penciling him in like he's a a prospect overseas who is playing out his contract and he'll just be here at the end of it. Um, that That's driving a lot of this argument at the moment, which I find very funny um, because we've, we've done this before, right? Like we were supposed to have Pierre-Luc Dubois back in 2016 at the draft. We did Yep. I'm not going to, maybe they end up with them. Maybe they don't. At the end of the day, like Montreal's got two really great centers right now with the opportunity to add a third in this year's draft. The fact that this is being framed as a, Um, you know, internal competition uh, aspect instead of these players are both 22 years old um, and playing some really great hockey for this team is it's a little odd.
0: Yeah, it is. It's very odd, but I I guess that's just what happens. People are trying to project the future, right? And it's funny that like in Anglophone media, that's the conversation. And in Francophone media earlier this week, I saw like we should trade Doc for Pierre-Luc Dubois. It's like, (laughs) what? no. Yeah. What are you talking about like this is a guy who's just hitting his stride in the NHL, and you're talking about trading him for a guy who, you know, has already quit on one team. And I, I don't know. I think Pierre Dubois is a very good player, but I would be very wary of committing to him long term. He's also going to be more expensive than Doc, which is something you have to consider in the salary cap era. But you know, we're, we're talking about Suzuki and Doc. We have to then transition to the immediate chemistry. Between Nick Suzuki and Raphael Harvey-Penard, which made this game so exciting in the third period, giving the Canadians their offense that they needed so desperately at 5-on-5, five five. the instant switch, and I'm not trying to diminish Rem Pitlick here, but the instant switch on that line from like basically treading water, they're still the Canadians' best line, but treading water at 5-on-5 five five, to absolute domination on five at 5-on-5 five five, came when Raphael Harvey-Penard got put on that top line. and. Nick Suzuki after the game said that the two of them actually had some time together way back when he was at his first rookie camp with the Vegas golden Knights, where I guess Harvey Penard was looking for a contract. So Vegas missed out doubly on that one.
1: Yeah. Cause it, it didn't Raphael Harvey Penard. Didn't he, he was undrafted once re-entered the draft and was drafted as an overager in the seventh round. So, I mean that, that tracks, um, I, he's a spark, a spark plug plug kind of guy, right? Like he's, they call him Lavaliger for a reason, right? Like he's that kind of mold of hockey player. Um, diminutive, still goes to the net. Um, I I think he's got more offense to his game than maybe um at least I was gonna give him credit for coming into the NHL. Obviously, we've seen it. I think he's got five goals already. Um, five shots tonight, even though he spent a majority of the game lower, lower in the lineup. Um, I don't think he's going back to Laval. I think he's here to stay. He ought to be. Um, you know, it'd be it'd be a real shame if he ends up back in Laval. Maybe he gets papered at the deadline so he can go back and play in the playoffs. Um, should Laval be there? But um, yeah, he's been he's been fantastic, and that's that's a found wallet, right? Like that's that's a seventh round draft pick that might looks like anyway is going to turn into an NHL player.
0: Hundred percent, and I, I think as much as the Lavaliger thing is like very fun, and uh, you know, it does accurately describe his play style in a way, and. You know, he yeah. was in Laval for a while. I think now that we know that he's probably never going to see Laval again, we can retire that nickname. Yeah. And we'll talk about him by his, his own name. Because, <laughs> yeah. man, is he ever earning it? Now he's got yeah. six career goals in his first 11 career games. And obviously, like, the shooting percentage is unsustainable. But you look at what the chances that he's creating. These are high-quality chances, game in and game out. He's got that drive to chase down the loose puck, to get into that net front area. He's just been incredibly impressive. And whether it's on the Laval line with uh, Belziel and Pozzetta or on the top line, like that motor doesn't stop. And he is going to become a huge fan favorite, I think, in very short order if he isn't already.
1: Yeah. And I, you mentioned that that fourth line, the Laval line. Belzile can't buy one. He was in a lot of. He had a lot of really, really good opportunities. I think he hit the post in the last game against Ottawa. He hit the crossbar, he and he's all around it. He's still looking for his first NHL goal. I think he's thirty-one. It'll be. He's gonna get one because I think he's gonna stick around on this roster long enough. Um, but it, it's just really, it's one of those things. Like I, I get like almost Victor Mete vibes from the fact that he hasn't. He's still just trying to get one, and he's coming close every once in a while. Um, but yeah, I mean that line, they took, you know, they took Harvey Pinard off of that line and it kind of was the first time that line was irrelevant in the last few games. Cause that Laval line was playing some pretty good hockey on some instances in which, you know, they were the best line for the Canadians. That's a bad thing because if the, your, your fourth line that is mostly AHL players is having the best night on your roster, it's not good. We've said that a bunch over the last two years. Um, but it's, it's nice to get that depth to come up. Maybe you get some team to bite on one of them in the, in the the at the trade deadline. Who knows? There's a lot of time yeah. between now and then.
0: And apologies if I'm butchering this pronunciation, but uh, Keck shows as uh, I saw a lot of comparisons to uh, Michael Bunting too, and I like it uh, for Harvey Pennard I've also heard that comparison, not just from fans and, and analysts, but like actual scouts and people who work for NHL teams making that comparison and saying like, that's the kind of potential that Harvey Pennard could have, and that's like really good. <laughs> like, Huge. I know people kind of they don't want to talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs, which I understand. You know, like we don't want to spend too much time on the Leafs here. And Michael Bunting last year was playing with Marner and Matthews, which like find a cushier job than that. Yeah. But he is a very good player. Like he is a very very good player. He's a 200 foot player. I don't know if Harvey Pennard has that level of uh, defensive play right now. Yeah, but the effort level is astounding, and you know we were talking about Bill Zeal as well. What what shocks me about Bill Zeal consistently is that he just makes the right play. Yeah, he sees the ice extremely well. You see a lot of times with these guys who are long term American Hockey League players who you know, like they score well in the American Hockey League, and when they get their cup of coffee in the NHL, the speed of the game really pushes them back down to the American Hockey League. Belzeal seems to either be able to slow down the game to his pace or just make decisions quick enough to keep up with the game. Even if he's not scoring, he's making positive contributions in every area of the ice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, like, the, um, I like the Bunting comparison for um, Harvey Pernard. You mentioned he's not as strong defensively. Yeah. Bunting's got, what, 30, 40 years on him? I think, I think we've got some time on on uh on harvey penard the, the the oldest calder nominee of all time
0: yeah well maybe that's what we need to push for next year is uh, harvey penard for the for the calder right <laughs> yeah. now how old is Pernard, harvey penard actually i don't even know i feel like he's early 20s right 24 he's he's pretty young still i mean he's that's that age where what he is right now is probably what he is maybe he'll have like a little bit of rounding out on like the defensive side But this is, like, the player that he's supposed to be. And I I will say, I know a lot of people have been saying stuff like, oh, well, he'll be better than Gallagher. I think we need to pump the brakes a little bit. People see Gallagher the last season and a half or so, and they want to pretend that Brennan Gallagher was that guy the whole time. Man, the guy scored 30 goals in this league and literally was the best possession-driving player in the whole league for, like, eight years. So it's a yeah. really lofty comparison for for Harvey Penard to break into the league at 24 to be better than Gallagher who did it at 20 so like let's let's yeah. remember that not everybody is the same just because they have a similar play style
1: yeah the archetypes the the archetype is similar for those two guys but i mean Gallagher every he was so dominant for so long it's a shame just like his hands completely fell apart because of yep. blunt force trauma like these things happen I, I i don't think i would put that kind of lofty expectation on a 24 year old uh let's just let him figure out how to be a regular everyday NHLer first
0: yeah 100 and like i i can't stop talking about the kid because he I, I see a kid 24 years old but he's just taking this opportunity and running with it like how often do you see a guy 24 years old break into the league basically only because of injuries. Not to say he didn't earn it, he has, but just the Canadiens contract situation is tough. And go from the fourth line immediately to the first line. Like, I'm just going to score two goals tonight. Like, every chance that he's getting, he's taking absolute perfect advantage of, and I'm so here for that. I love when players stick out in, in that way. And uh, yeah, Mark is in the chat saying, uh, not better than Gallagher, just different. And I think that's... True, like yeah. they're very different players. I think just based on looking at them, uh, Harvey Pennard has a better shot than running Gallagher. Doesn't mean he's going to score thirty goals because Gallagher shot like ten times a game, right? But I, I would say he has a better shot than Gallagher. Not as uh, complete a player, we'll say at yeah. this stage.
1: Yeah, not a, and not a volume shooter at this point, right? Like that's yeah, you know, like there are some guys in this league who just they're able to throw the puck at the net at will. Gallagher historically was always that kind of guy, even though later on in his career, like the puck almost never left the ice because he just, his hands just couldn't do it anymore. You know, I had a friend reach out to me because he was looking into, you know, shot rates and things like that. And he was like, why is Gallagher always at the top of this? And how come I don't hear about him as much? It's like, well, his hands are toast. Like, it's just, it's a, it's a shame.
0: Yeah, it, it is a shame. And, you know, like we've talked about it before, but there are a few players, I think it's up to five, that just were not ever the same after that Stanley Cup final run. They laid it all on the line. And you have to respect what they were able to do to get the Canadians there. Guys like Price, Weber, Gallagher, Byron, Eric Stahl. I feel like there's another one, too, that I'm blanking on. But uh, it's just a tough, tough situation for those guys. And, I mean, nobody, I think, is more disappointed with how the last season and a half has gone than Brendan Gallagher. It's not like he's sitting around not not working hard to get back in it and back to what he was uh, there's a question here that okay from noel uh that i'm going to highlight here it says who was the who has the better disney movie arbor Jackeye or Raphael harvey pinard and i am going to twist that slightly and say are the canadians the most like underratedly likable team right now because of stories like that on their roster
1: yeah it's they're they're real likable. Like as even though like Jack guys kind of made a a name for himself in this league by, you know, violence. I'll just put it bluntly. Like that's what he does. Um, That's how he made a name for himself in training camp was by ragdolling every member of the senators who came within three feet of him. Um, You know, they, which was great. (laughs) It was, you know what? Like for the time in the, at the end of the second period in the third period, when Kachuk, was just losing his mind over Jakai. Kachuk was really ineffective whenever Jakai was on the ice because it, he drove him nuts. The only time that they got any sort of offense while Kachuk was on the ice was on that power play when Jakai wasn't on the ice in front of the net, shoving him around. And you know he screens Allen and the, the Stutzlickel goes in. Um, the Harvey Penard story is like just kicking off and it's already phenomenal. Like. So as far as storylines go, I don't know which one you could pick more. I mean, from a rags to riches standpoint, Jack, I was working at Costco. Like that's the coolest story in the league. As far as I'm concerned, like he, he did the thing that like so many people dream of doing, like leaving their, their jobs as, as much as I've heard, Costco is actually a pretty sweet gig. Um, You know, yeah, they pay that, well. Yeah. Leaving that and going to be an NHL player, like at this point in his career, which I know Jack guy has his warts. He's not perfect defensively. He's an NHL defenseman. Like, again, a found wallet for the Montreal Canadiens. Both of these players are just, you don't expect to hit on an unsigned, undrafted free agent and a guy who was passed over in the draft and then picked in the seventh round following that.
0: Yeah, 100%. Now, going into next season, and I know this is just like speculation based on a, a period in a bit, but... I would love to see Harvey Pinard, Suzuki, Caulfield. Just try it out for a little bit. I feel like that motor that Harvey Pinard has, because I kind of pushed earlier this season of like throwing Gallagher on that line as a guy who just can get pucks, create some havoc in front of the net, free up more space for those guys. And I know St. Louis never really did that, and Gallagher had his own struggles with scoring, all that, blah, blah, blah. And it would be a small line in terms of height, but... I really want to see them the the three of them together I feel like there'd be something there and you you see the way that Suzuki and Caulfield forecheck and the way that Harvey Pinard just has that like undeniable will to get to a loose puck I think there could be some magic there Ian
1: yeah that could be a lot of fun and I you know that's a almost entirely homegrown line right like that's that's kind of what you're looking for in in seasons where you're not competing or you're not trying to make the playoffs. You're trying to see what you have. Um, it's a shame we won't see Cole again for the rest of the year because it would have been a perfect opportunity, especially post trade deadline. Because what do, what do you have to lose? Like just roll him out there, see what happens. Um, you know, there's a lot of situations where you kind of wish guys were healthy, like Stuckovsky after the trade deadline, with guys on their way out. Where could Slavkovsky have played in that situation? Would he have gotten a shot with with Suzuki and Caulfield?
0: Well, um, I mean, think about it. if Slavkovsky was healthy right now. No one's going to convince me that he wouldn't be playing with Doc.
1: Yeah, and that like you, you mentioned, they would that, try it. You mentioned Suzuki, Caulfield, and, and Harvey Pernard would be a small line. Well, then your, your second line would roll out there as Doc Slavkovsky and a third guy who's six foot four. Like, yep. like. It's hard to game plan, I think, for a roster that goes from, you know, like, you know, the, the old uh, the old NES ice hockey game, like you're rolling out the the really small skinny guy who just goes super fast, and then you're rolling out the big dude who just knocks everybody over. Like, it's impossible to game plan for that.
0: Yeah, Polite Canadian says, is slaff doing okay? I mean, I don't think we've had really any updates, but he's out for the season. Uh, I think there was some talk, uh, somebody alluded to the fact that he might play like world championships or something, but... I don't know if the Canadians really want to do that. I mean, getting him into games probably isn't the worst idea for an 18-year-old. But sure. obviously, ending the season on the injured list is a pretty disappointing situation. I think that uh, it was a pretty up-and-down year for him, despite the fact that he was you know, getting better, becoming more of an nhl as time went on. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't think anybody is super happy with, with the rookie season from Uriah Slavkovsky, including Uriah Slavkovsky.
1: No, it's anything that's cut short. You're not a huge fan of it, right? Like he left us wanting a little bit more, even when he was playing, unfortunately, it's just the nature of watching a guy who was picked first overall. And we're, you know, we have these expectations for what a first overall draft pick is supposed to look like. And I mean, I think over the last few years, you kind of have to caveat that with the fact that we had a global pandemic and it was very difficult for these guys to play consistent hockey, um, you know? So it's disappointing. I know I saw, I saw pictures of Slavkowski hanging out with Jack and, and some of the other teammates on Jack birthday. So he's still around, right? They're not, they're not just sending him home for the rest of the season. He's still around the team.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. There's no way he's uh, He's going anywhere. They've still got the camaraderie and, you know, work on different things that maybe don't involve whatever he's injured. You know, there's always yeah. stuff to do. Um, from this game. I will say I was pretty surprised with how much of a goaltender battle it was the beginning that ended up being a nine goal game. I feel like both uh, Allen and Forsberg were like pretty strong tonight, but both teams were like, what is, what is defense? Why do we have to play it?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a, you think about how the Ottawa senators are built and how, how, how they're spending their money, um, how they've spent their assets and their, their forward complement is strong. They have a good offensive group. Pierre Dorian did not do anything to help that defense. Like it's abysmal. It's really bad. Um, You know, and I mean, Jake Allen at the other end, I think in the third period, Ottawa scored three goals on four shots. Like one went off the, the game winner ends up going in off of David Savard's skate. Yeah,
0: mistakes. that was, oh man, you could tell Allen was not happy about that. No, one.
1: no. And you know, I mean, he hasn't been happy about a lot of them as of late. Like, he was strong in the That's Detroit true. game, but I mean, it, he, He's had a rough year. I mean, if it wasn't for Montembeau kind of steadying the ship for a little while, things might have gone really off the rails, which, you know, depending on how you're looking at the season, you're either, you you know, thankful for that or, you know, uh, you're not a big fan of that. But yeah, it was a bit of a goaltending duel. Forsberg looked really strong for most of it. Alan made a couple of like huge saves that like, you know, we don't we don't really see a lot of anymore in Montreal. Um, yeah, it was, it was fun while it was. And like you said, it's still a nine goal game, which is insane.
0: Yeah, it was pretty crazy. I feel like that one glove save that Allen made in the second period, I don't know if it sparked the Canadians, but it showed that like the game wasn't out of reach, right? And he made some big ones. There was the shorthanded uh, breakaway save that he made. Like, I think that's kind of just what Jake Allen is in a lot of ways. You, you see some goals that go in, and you're like, eh, starter stops that. And then goals that sh- or shots that should be goals. Like forty-five percent expected goal rate goals, and he's like, "I'll stop that somehow. Yeah. I'll just throw my body like Gumby around, and I'll find a way to get in front of it." It's uh, it's funny that last year I feel like Allen was the much more controlled goaltender, and Montembeau was, you know, like over exploding to each side to try to just get in front of pucks a last second, and now it's kind of the opposite where Allen is the one who's throwing himself around. Just trying to keep the play alive, and Montembeau is the one who's got a lot more control.
1: Yeah, you're you're bang on, especially about Allen. Sometimes it looks like he's fighting for his life in that. Like, and a lot of it's those early first period um, situations where the Canadians just don't start on time, right? Yeah. and it's it's you know Marty mentioned it pregame when they asked you know what do the players have planned for the week off, and he said we're not at the week off yet. It looked like in the first period the Canadians were at that week off. Um, it sure
0: did. Yeah, yeah. So, I, mean, I mean, statement period. I think from the Senators as well. Sure. Uh, I know scoring chances in that first period were ten to one at five, on five which yeah. is wild. Hiding your chances they, were five nothing.
1: They caved Montreal in, in that first period. Like the fact did. that did was Doc's goal in the first. It must have been in the first. It, period. it was,
0: yeah, because the Canadians got two power plays. Uh, yeah. or maybe it was three in the first period, but the Canadians like. The reason why the Canadians were able to stay in this game is the Senators lacked discipline in every possible area. And, you know, the Canadians, I think, also probably got lucky on some non-calls, but I didn't see too many super egregious things that slipped by. I'm sure Senators fans did because they're watching for stuff that we aren't. But uh, it it seemed like the, the Senators just found a way to put the Canadians back into the game.
1: Yeah, especially in the first two periods. I, I, I mentioned it during the game that like every time a Canadian went near the, the net with the puck, it seemed like a senator was taking a penalty on him. And yep. I, I promise you you don't need to do that. Like this team is they, they will not score because most of those are like, I don't know, Rem Pitlick going to the front of the net. Like I God love I love Rem Pitlick, but like I promise you you don't need to trip him in front of the net. It's okay. Yeah. It's um,
0: Michael Pizzetta alone in the slot. And you're like, you know, one of the thirty times he'll get it, but yeah. What yeah, are the odds?
1: I, I think Shabbat took two high sticking penalties. They were they were all really like stick infractions. There were a lot of trips, a lot of high sticks, like a lot of like lazy-ish penalties where you're reaching, right? Like you're behind the play and you're reaching it and you're either stick lifting and hitting a guy in the face or you're, you're pulling him down by a skate. Um, but there was like, you know, for all of the, the misses that you, you might have seen on the Canadians, like the, the Jack I hit where I think, I think he really hit David Savard more than he hit uh, Brady Kachuk along the wall. There was also Brady Kachuk boarding Arber Xhaka early in the yep. game that went on call. So you know the referees kind of let that particular engagement get a little out of a little out of hand. <laughs> like that probably could have been handled better. Um, but yeah,
0: yeah, I would say the only reason why that didn't get out of hand is because Brady realized what he was doing and ran away. Right, <laughs> right. Not just in terms of. You don't want that smoke. But also in terms of like Brady Kachuk should not be taking himself off the ice for Arborzak guy. That's a stupid Absolutely. trade.
1: Yeah, it's a bad trade off for the Senators. And it, he's he's totally right to avoid that, you know, the the primal part of our hockey brains goes, well, then someone else should step in and do something with Arborzak. i but really nobody else wanted that smoke. So, no. you know, it's kind of a nice problem to have for the Canadians. You, you have a player who can get other teams, top players off their game by having them focus on a third-pairing defenseman, an Arbor Yeah,
0: absolutely. All right, I I noticed that uh, Claire Capoletti said that uh, tomorrow is Cole Caulfield's surgery. Should we do a summoning circle to wish (laughs) Cole Caulfield good luck on that? I mean, uh, the odds are that it's going to go extremely well. He's young. Canadians are going to be more careful with him than they've ever been with anybody else in their organization's history. Like they know how much rides on it. He'll have, you know, the best possible surgeon I'm sure. But, uh, it's definitely a moment of stress. I'm sure for many Canadians fans.
1: Yeah. I'll feel better when he's healthy enough to hold a pen. That's, that's when I'll feel good.
0: I'm a little bit shocked that the contract isn't done before the surgery. I, I really thought when they called the press conference that it was going to be to announce his contract. Cause I I'm just not sure what the fight would be at this point because, or like what the negotiation would be because there's nothing that's going to change between now and the beginning of next season for Cole Caulfield specifically, unless this shoulder surgery goes wrong, in which case like that just really sucks, and we don't even want to entertain that. But in terms of like what we expect from Cole Caulfield. It's not going to change. The Canadians yeah. know who he is. He's not getting traded. Mark is no, not at the helm.
1: They're probably doing that thing that Steve loves, where they put his his number in the in the contract, like in the 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 average annual value. It's going to be like eight point zero zero two two, and that's what <laughs> that's that point zero zero two two that's holding this up. I really don't know, like what what's going on here. I mean, that's it. Seems like it's very um, airtight. Like, nothing's getting out as far as this goes. I mean, I think a lot of that, too, is the agent. He's a pretty powerful guy in, in hockey. Um, it is surprising that it's not done. I think a lot of people expect it to be done. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if it, if it drags on to the summer at this point because, like, he's he's about to have surgery. I, I just I don't see a, a reason for them to bring him in, have him sign a contract, and then answer a bunch of questions about his health. That seems like the last thing that they want him to do at this point.
0: Yeah, I I think the only, there's only two things that I can think of that would delay this happening, and that's, Kent Hughes's focus right now is on the trade deadline, which I think we all know, and there's various things that people are upset about with, like, all the focus being on the trade deadline, and maybe they're waiting to see what kind of contracts they can clear out going into next year, the contracts that have a little bit of term on them, to see, like, what they can actually afford to give Caulfield, because, you do have to manage your cap multiple years ahead of time, right? Like you can only commit so much. So it might be a situation where like, well, if you sign right now, we can give you seven and a half. But if you wait until after the trade deadline, when we move out like Joel Edmondson and maybe uh, a Mike Hoffman, if somebody bites, then we can give you 8.2 or something, right? Like it's the, the amount of money that for us, we're like, who cares? It doesn't matter, but for running that salary cap, it might be like something. I, I don't know. Those are the only two tiny little things. And 22 paper dollars slash K says, I don't want to bridge. I don't think we're talking bridge deal. I don't think it's no. happening.
1: I, I, for a moment, I thought it might be possible. If, if Cole Caulfield looked at the season and looked at the offer the Canadians were giving him and said, I want to bet on myself that I'm going to come back even healthier than I already was and, and make them regret that bridge deal. I just don't necessarily see that there would be a reason for either side of this to do that. Um, you know, and you mentioned Mike Hoffman trade was this felt like the perfect Mike Hoffman showcase game. Like what we saw of Mike Hoffman tonight is what an acquiring team will see from Mike Hoffman on a regular basis. He's going to sit at that half circle on the, on the power play and he's going to fire pucks the net. He's going to try to put a bunch of them through the goalies chest protector, but a lot of them are still going to go on net. Um, I thought I, I think he's been particularly strong, um at least offensively. I don't you know defensively, if anybody really cares all that much, how Mike Hoffman is doing because it's not part of his game. But um yeah, it, it, maybe a team throws a second, a third. If it helps Montreal offload that deal, I think they're they're probably, you know, snapping at that opportunity.
0: Yeah, 100 percent. And uh, Kay was asking in the chat if Nick Suzuki hit 40 points tonight. Indeed, he did. 40 points in 51 games, on pace for 64 points, which is still a career year for Nick Suzuki with all the talk about how cold he's been over the last stretch. I, I think that people need to remember, like, the the hot streak at the beginning of the season was always going to lead to something like this. <laughs> like, you can't shoot 35% the whole year, and he's down to 16% now, or, yeah, 16% on the season, which is l- much closer to his career average, uh, a little bit over his... uh. Li- career high from 2020 2021 so I, I would assume he ends up this season around like 13 14 percent so we probably got a little bit of a ways to go before his scoring ticks up a little bit but the way that he could get over that is to shoot a little bit more which uh i i don't remember if he got a bunch of shots tonight but he seemed like he was at least getting in position to take shots so i, I don't know i really liked suzuki's game tonight it was the first time in a long time where he looked like we all expect him to look uh, like it's clear that he's been injured you know obviously putting him with the canadians two worst even strength forwards no disrespect to anderson and Pitlick, but they are black holes in terms of possession and still putting him out there against top lines it's <laughs> it's tough sledding you know like climb uphill in the snow with no boots on, you know, (laughs) like that's basically what the Canadians have asked him to do. And he's put his head down and continued to try to do it. And tonight he was just fantastic.
1: Yeah. And eventually they'll, they'll be able to control those matchups a little bit better when they have a deeper roster. Yeah. Not only that, the, (laughs) despite the fact that they're playing seven defensemen, I don't think a lot of these guys are going to be here when this team is fully built. There's not enough space for all of them to be here. Um, you know, and, and, even the ones that are here now, they're not fully baked yet. So, you know, everyone talks about the defensive aspect of the game and how Suzuki struggled. He's not getting a ton of help from the guys back there as well, you know? So yeah, there's a lot that goes into how a player, you know, appears on a, on a, you know, on a, on a stat sheet other than his own impacts on the play. There are, there are five other teammates out there with him that make that sort of impact
0: hundred percent. And, and like you can see that on every team, right? You look at what Giroux has unlocked for the, the senators, just like the depth scoring. Right. And Kirby doc, his ascension, if he stays at center, you know, obviously uh, Suzuki misses him on his line, but adding that other center who can play, even if it's not top-line matchup minutes, but, like, strong numbers of minutes. Because I think Kirby Doc's been over 20 minutes now for the past several games. Yeah, four straight games above 21 minutes. I don't know what his ice time was tonight. But having that other insulation and forcing other teams to, like, split their defense a little bit is going to make Suzuki a better player as well. And as this team continues to build, we're going to see the trickle-down effect of that. Yeah, okay, so Doc was 22 minutes tonight. Suzuki was 22.50. Like, these guys are just workhorses right now, and I know they're not scoring, like, 80 points or whatever, so every time Canadians fans are happy about them, you have some snot-nosed Leafs fan being like, "Who hey Mitch Marner has this many points, and yeah. How many in the playoffs, though? But uh, it, it's just like you see this incremental improvement in the roster. You can see what's being built going forward it, it is an exciting time as much as the games sometimes are not and i know that people got really down uh watching the canadians uh against ottawa last game i think there was another game recently where they just got like blown out of the water i don't remember which one it was but like look at how many players are injured right now this team should not be giving fights to even the ottawa senators you know like the fact that they are in these games on a relatively consistent basis especially the last couple of weeks here like Martin St. Louis really does have them playing very hard for him. And the players who are part of the core going forward are showing up in big ways.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you know, uh, Guy Boucher was just speaking, I think during this game and he was talking about how Marty pulled him aside when he was coaching in, in, um, in Tampa. And he basically told Guy Boucher, like this isn't a hundred percent league. It's an 85% league. Cause you need to last 82 games. And then if you make the playoffs, maybe around like you know 20 more if you go that deep the yeah. fact that like they are they are still giving that effort now despite the fact that they know none of it really matters in the grand scheme of like making the playoffs winning a stanley cup this year getting that buy in from them at this point in the season whether it's to play ottawa or to play detroit like it, that to me has always mattered i know like you know the the aspect of of a winning and losing culture often gets laughed at by the you know you know the people who just want to see them lose as many games as possible this year as do I but there's a there's a way you can lose where you don't get laughed out of the building like if you're looking at like Chicago or Anaheim I mean Anaheim's been actually a little bit better recently Arizona Columbus like those teams like they really struggle and I I worry that like they're not going to be able to just flip that switch once they have all the parts there um,
0: yeah, you look at Chicago, right? Like when you trade off guys like DeBrinket and Doc, who both were great tonight. <laughs> you know, yeah. like it's you when you cut too deep, you end up like the Buffalo Sabers of the last decade, right? Where like you, you're in this perpetual rebuild, and finally, the Sabers are starting to climb out of it, but they're still they're not quite there yet now. And you look at the players they have on that roster; like they should be there, yeah. right? They should be better. But uh, I, I will say, uh, we should probably start uh, closing up shop here, but uh, they said that uh, Claire Capaldi updates and says, or Trizek, sorry, updates that Belzeal and Yolonen have been sent down to Laval. Annoyingly, during the All-Star break, Laval only plays two games, hmm. maybe three here, because the, Can- the Canadians are back on the 11th. So they've got two games against the Marlies coming up this weekend, which will be interesting. But uh yeah, it, it makes sense to to get those guys into games and, and help Laval on their resurgent run towards the playoffs here. They've been pretty good lately.
1: And just pray that neither of them get hurt.
0: <laughs> and exactly, because they're needed. When
1: the, when the Canadians come back, we might have a full complement of forwards for the first time in what feels like six months.
0: Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. All right, uh, if there was anything else here, I don't think so uh blue jackets took the caps to overtime tonight but they lost yeah i mean i don't think the canadians are going to be able to catch the blue jackets in terms of tanking i think the the blue jackets the coyotes and the or the ducks and the the blackhawks are i think out of out of out of range the canadians are at worst fourth or fifth but more likely sixth they really need to depend to depend on the, the florida pick to improve their chances a little bit but, uh, so this will be, uh, before I go, there's over a hundred people here watching us right now. Please like the stream. There's only a couple likes on there because that helps us grow. It helps people find us. It helps the YouTube algorithm continue to push our show and be suggested for other people. Uh, if you really like it, please subscribe to the month, to the, uh, SDPN channel, hit that little reminder bell because you got to subscribe twice on YouTube now because it's super dumb. Uh, and this will be the last time that I talk to people for a while because my next game is like. Valentine's Day or something. So I'm off for pretty much 2 weeks. It'll be Mark Dumont for a couple games when we come back. And then I'll have a couple of games with uh Mark on. I'll have the Hot Ones challenge with Adam Wild on February 18th. And then right after that, I'm going to have a small surgery on my jaw and I will be out until March. So you won't be seeing me as much on Game Over Montreal. There'll be a lot of heavy lifting from our friend Mark Dumont so thank you Ian so much for coming on so much this season you've got a couple more coming up with Mark's hosting as well but uh, thanks to everyone for uh, watching us here and commenting on the chat really enjoy chatting with you guys it's always fun and uh, Ian tell everyone where to find your work
1: yeah I'm on Twitter at maybe it's Ian Um, Rabbit Habs for the blog Um, and subscribe to the build where you find podcasts it's just about everywhere you uh, you can find them
0: Perfect. All right, everyone, we will see you. Uh, Mark will see you on, I think, the 11th, and I will see you on Valentine's Day for a romantic evening with the Montreal Canadiens. See you then. Game over! Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's sportsbook.